And we're back with another episode of Food in the Hood. Yahoo! Say, I still remember that line. <laughs> hey, hey, Ben and I were just talking about how it's been a while since we、uh, recorded our last episode. Yeah, we we gradually are shifting to a,、uh, a, a three week to a monthly、uh, schedule. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, As Ben gets into his PhD work, and I get hey, don't busy blame with my、me. work. <laughs> Was it that obvious? <laughs>、uh-huh. All right. Yeah, that was a very subtle corporate,、um, a very know, respons- very responsibility shift. I know. It's like,、uh-huh. well, am I really accountable? <laughs> so we have something、uh, that is, I think, pretty interesting. Also, from a election standpoint, you know,、mm-hmm. when we talk about the word automation, I think there's、uh, it's a topic that a lot of people are vested in、um, and are interested in. And when we combine automation and food, I think there's a lot there's a lot of juicy stuff that we can talk about, right? Yeah, totally. So today we're gonna break down the word automation,、um, and I feel like it means a lot of Different things to different people. Think, yeah, to different people. Yeah. Right. So, how would you say like things like automated versus manual? How would you、hmm. like? What's the difference essentially? Or where do、I、you draw the line? I feel like、now? automated is when you can walk away, and、uh, it can happen without human labor or human physical labor. Yeah. Wait. Actually, no. Well, I don't know. Like, is a dishwasher automated? A dishwasher technically is automated. I feel. Right. Right, because you have manual hand washing dishes. Uh huh.、Right? And then you have automated,、uh, which is dishwashers. Yeah. Totally. But the、uh, line is kind of blurry sometimes in certain situations. Yeah, I I, I agree. Right. So think、mm-hmm. about like. Think about you're a food manufacturer and you make these like ready to eat sandwiches. So there's、mm-hmm. a conveyor belt that moves, and then there's people standing on the side who's like putting the lettuce and the tomatoes on a bun, and the next person puts the cheese. Yep. Is this automated or is this manual? Because there's people, but then there's also a conveyor belt. Right. Yeah. They're not passing the sandwich bun from one to the other,、uh, but it doesn't. Necessarily replace all the、um, right, like the manual tasks are not all of them.、Mm-hmm. So I feel、yeah. like sometimes automation is not like either or. It's sort of like an automation creep. It kind of、right. creeps in more and more over time. Interesting, and that's something that is prevalent. I think across many many industries, not just in food, right?、Mm-hmm. And like automation is also like pretty. It's like matching with people's greed, like. Right, like as as much as you're trying to like save energy, save people's own manual energy,、mm-hmm. like the more you save it, the、mm-hmm. the the more that you have to think to automate things,、mm-hmm. uh, you're just like getting more and more comfortable and think of more ways to not do work. <laughs> yeah. Basically, how can I sit on a couch and still、uh, have things run okay? Right. Um. 
I think when it comes to the food industry in particular, there's automation happening at every stage, right? From the harvesting of crops mm-hmm. um, to processing the crops to making the actual food to distributing it. And then there's also that's more on the you know food industry side. And then there's also the restaurant industry where mm-hmm. we're seeing certain things being automated, um, be it delivery food services. Um, or even, you know, in some restaurants in Japan, they don't even have servers anymore because you can just, you know, choose whatever you want on an iPad. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. Then, and yeah. that is very much, um, so maybe we should just give a few examples. I feel yeah. that, um, like, for example, harvesting is, um, especially for uh, fresh produce, uh, it's a very manual intensive uh, workflow. Right, things like uh, tomatoes, things like berries that really require, um, like, a, like some so, something that's as flexible and sensitive as a pair of hands, exactly to to, to pick and touch and to yep. collect, uh, in order to make uh, wholesome uh, um, fruits uh, to protect the fruits uh, from from you know uh, uh, damaging because the ripe fruits are very hard to uh, preserve uh, mm-hmm. especially prone to like mechanical damages mm-hmm. um, so there have been a lot of efforts uh, devoted into making uh, automated or semi-automated um, harvesting robots mm-hmm. right so uh, mechanical engineers are able to design these type of very sensitive um, robotic arms or some, some type of other uh, mechanical uh, s- uh, systems that can actually you know pick things and yeah. picking i think is quite of a challenge for for most it of the is. robots it is yeah crops are so different it's not like they're all lined up nicely and you need to like you know it's 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 something that if you do it for an hour you feel bored maybe but then to mm-hmm. get a robot to do it exactly the way a human would without crushing the fruit that's really hard yeah that's that's pretty hard and and i mean there are prototypes and there are applications already for different berries i think yeah um but it's still going for for i think a lot of more different fruits uh, mm-hmm. harder to recognize fruits for example harvesting like lettuce or uh, uh, uh i mean uh, a broccoli head um mm-hmm. it's like essentially picking green from green right so so right. like something that's super intuitive to people would just be like mm-hmm. well we just because we head. can recognize the texture <laughs> even if they're right. the same color but then when it comes to visual computing how do you how do you translate that and yeah. have it do it as efficiently as we do it mm-hmm. right so compared yeah. to that, like blueberries are a lot easier or strawberries. Um, right. Their the color is helping color. a lot to at least figure out where the plant is, where the fruit is. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. So that's at the harvesting stage. And then mm-hmm. at the at the making stage where food products are being made in a you know facility, I think there is a gradual shift away from manual labor. Um, like I said, with the conveyor belt example just now, people packing sandwiches, that's still quite heavy on manual labor, right? Mm-hmm. And it's moving more towards processes where all of that is being done um, by, you know, cr- like 
b- being done by um, machines. And essentially, mm-hmm. then you would have operators in sort of a control room that monitor all these processes and make sure that, okay, everything is up to speed, everything is sanitary, everything looks good. Uh, the line yep. is running as efficiently as it should be. So there is that shift away like you still need people but what people do is different and the skills they need is different right previously the they're, skills they're required... kind of just like babysitting the machine yeah exactly <laughs> but i think that also requires a different set of training than someone who's packing sandwiches on a line ah um, exactly so i think when it comes to automation a lot of time there is a shift in a skill set that is needed by different industries um, and that applies to food as well. And that's something mm-hmm. that I think people might be worried about w- when they hear the word automation because it comes with the, I guess, connotation that, okay, what about my job security, right? Right, right, right. But it's not just a concern from the line workers, right? So so by line workers, we mean that um, people are on the food production floors, uh, like the assemblers for for sandwiches, for example. Um, there are also many other jobs that could potentially be threatened threatened by uh, automation, and they could go as high as you know uh, a a full fledged um, product developer or quality assurance um, experienced quality assurance specialist. You, you know something. Uh, maybe I can give this example is. Um, during my master's studies, I, I developed a sensor uh, for uh, identifying um, the uh, amount of casein in cheese. So casein is the primary uh, protein in cheese, and uh, it determines the texture of the cheese. So the more casein you have in general, the harder the cheese is. Um, and in many uh, small creameries, very artisanal, uh, small production facilities. Uh, they don't have anything to measure them, measure the casings. All they have is uh, basically the uh, experienced cheesemaker's hands, right? So mm-hmm. um, the finished product, the, the cheesemaker would feel the finished product and kind of just uh, uh, rub it in his or her hands and get it, get a general feel about it and you can then classify them into different uh, groups of cheese mm-hmm. and um, use those as kind of a reference uh, for for your uh, either your internal language to communicate with other people. Hey, I felt it. It's like a medium hard. Let's um, you know ramp up the <laughs> I don't know ramp up the aging a little bit to get it uh, get it less hard before we ship it out or something. Um, so it's very qualitative, um, but people have been running this for a long time, and they're very successful businesses. Um, and one of the problems was that uh, these type of cheesemakers are very hard to train, and um, not everybody wants to spend that effort to become such cheesemakers anymore. Mm-hmm. And partially, it's because that the needs of these people are decreasing, at least from large facilities because of analytical methods and quantifications that can be done uh, at a very uh, much standardized and um, quantitative manner, right? So mm-hmm. so now like sensors or chemical methods can tell exactly how much casing is there and that's been well correlated to the texture of cheese. Right, um, right. So, so like these people, like these, uh, what I'm talking about, these old uh, 
cheesemakers, they're well respected in the company as kind of the guru for cheesemaking, and、mm-hmm. they know their product the best.、Um, but but their specific skills,、um, such as like knowing how hard the cheese is, might、mm-hmm. be replaced by automation. But doesn't necessarily mean that this position will go away entirely, because、right. there are other very valuable experiences from these. Uh, from from these people that can cannot be easily automated or transferred to others.、Mm-hmm. That's an excellent. I think that's an excellent story, and that really highlights that. I mean, you brought up a great point, right? A lot of times when things get automated, sometimes it's not the whole job; it's a、mm-hmm. particular skill set. And it, when it comes to, I think when it comes to seasoned veterans in the industry, sometimes you have certain things that are just not easily. Um, that can easily be taken away by automation, and it's something that、um, I guess there's also like a certain intuitive sense that people have about a lot of things in your industry that is hard to exactly replace by purely quantitative methods, or we might、mm-hmm. not have the quantitative methods yet to replace、um, some of those skills. But I think that also speaks to, you know. In the industry, no matter what industry we are in, it's 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 good job security if we can do varied things.、Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,、right? it's a great point. <laughs> you at the same time, if you're jack of all trades, master of none, that's also not great. So I think it、mm-hmm. is a tricky balance where you know you have both that breadth and depth that make you indispensable. Um, mm-hmm. To a company, and and that's really when it comes to the anxiety of automation and job security. I think that's that's what is difficult because when we are trained for jobs traditionally,、yep. be it through our education system or be it through you know internal company training, a lot of times、um, that can be very siloed. We are trained to do a specific thing,、mm-hmm. um, but if we can demonstrate that. We do not just this thing, but we are able to quickly do other things just as well that are not directly within our job spec. I think that's, you know, something that's going to be very useful、um, for each of our careers moving forward. Just、yeah. because with the trend of automation happening, it's coming whether we like、mm-hmm. it or not. Right? Automation is happening because. Companies want to remain competitive.、Um, the global market is competitive, and we can talk a lot about the morality of it. But I won't go into it, right? But at at the individual level, what can people you know do to maintain、uh, or or to kind of adapt themselves to this changing landscape? I think that's something that we might not have talked too much about. And I think that's something that's worth considering. That's you know, how does our education system prepare us for this type of world? Right, and you're exactly right that you know most of the current automation forms are in the、uh, specialized manner, and even a lot of the,、um, the 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 artificial intelligence applications are also you know not like the movie type of AI, right there. They're they're more like tools, automated、mm-hmm. tools that relies on big data and relies on、uh, more, let's say, empirical and complicated algorithms、mm-hmm. uh, instead of some you know fixed equations that you can write out easily.、Um, and, and these specialized positions or these specialized tasks can be replaced 
and they they're gonna happen right because for for a business it's it's cheaper in the long term to to make such replacements and um so i guess you had more um you had some learnings from listening to the talk from andrew yang oh uh, yeah so i can give, talk a little a bit talk. about that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We, we mentioned that last time and amanda actually right uh, right caught at least part right. of it so Andrew Yang, uh, gang gang hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew Yang, I think, was a uh, presidential candidate for the primaries, right? And then he came to he did a talk for a virtual IFT event called "The Future of Work." So I didn't catch the whole talk, but mm-hmm. I did catch some of it, right? And essentially, you know what what Andrew Yang was saying is that. If you think about the types of job we have, we can divide it, you know, into four broad categories. There's non-repetitive manual. So that would be things like cutting hair, um, things like cleaning hotels. There's repetitive manual. Mm-hmm. Um, so which, repetitive manual would be like the sandwich assembler type of yep, job. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And non-repetitive there. manual would mm-hmm. be something that's um, like a plumber would have to like fix yeah. fix yeah. your uh clock drain, like mm-hmm. those type of jobs, where it's right. it's not easy to automate those jobs. I think because of the nature right. of that, the difference between what you're working with. A lot of the non-repetitive manual jobs, I feel, also involve some level of human interaction or customer service. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes, yeah. So like cutting hair, yeah, you can get a robot to cut your hair, but it's it's different, and I yeah. think that's something that might take a long time to become automated. Or Wait, I don't even know if people want one, uh, <laughs> this kind of <laughs> sidetrack. But yeah, I, I've seen a video of a automated um a automated um a uh, 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 tattoo robot. What? Um, yeah, which which isn't necessarily like a hundred percent automated. It's like a virtual. Uh, tattoo experience where the tattoo artist they basically built a robotic arm that simulates every move that the tattoo artist is actually moving, mm-hmm. and with like the right pressure and all that. It was like, but a, so it's a, not like three D printing, but it's oh, it no. mimics it in real time, basically. Right, exactly. So you can, let's say, if there's a famous tattoo artist in London, and you can book appointment with him or with her. And then you would just go into like a booth, like a photo booth. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he would dial in or she would dial in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't even have physically have to happens. be in the same place. This is like no. a COVID safe way to get a tattoo in <laughs> yeah, 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. no but... human contact, definitely six <laughs> feet away. <laughs> yeah. I, and yeah. I mean, I mean, those type of are literally... I mean, they're they're non-repetitive manual jobs, right, right, right. Because you still have to come up with a design and everything, yeah. and you uh-huh. like you said, different pressure points, different size. But going back to the four categories, so I mentioned non-repetitive manual and repetitive manual, mm-hmm. and then there's also non-repetitive cognitive and repetitive cognitive. So repetitive cognitive would be, you know. Um, these are some of the examples that An- Andrew Yang gave, including um, being like a CPA or being a legal clerk, because sometimes um, 
you know, sometimes some of these jobs, it's it's increasingly a um, there's more and more automation happening in a sense of sometimes an AI can uh-huh. screen a contract better than a legal clerk can nowadays. Sure, or like a bookkeeper for for like account. Yeah, accounting or purposes. you know, there's TurboTax, and everyone uses TurboTax now instead of. You know, getting a specialized accountant for help, unless it's you know, unless they have to pay taxes in like five states and they have like three right. estates or something. I, I mean, it's. I I feel like it's just like TurboTax isn't quite automation, right? It just right. It, it's just like a cheaper alternatives than talking to a real human. Um, but yeah, I can totally see that repetitive cognitive jobs are also being automated. I think yeah, a lot of people when they think about automation, they think it's only the manual jobs that are being automated. But often, um, that might not be the case. Right, right, right. So, so maybe not even these jobs are being automated, but parts of these jobs are being automated, which right could become the whole job depending on what job it is, Cause, right? Because if you're thinking in the food industry perspective, yeah, um, maybe a repetitive cognitive job could be. Like a food labeling expert mm-hmm. type of right. Like, let's say um, you're gonna launch this thing in like like five different regions in the world, or or something, uh, or you have to prepare different sets of labels, and, mm-hmm. and 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 currently you you require it requires a lot of cognitive thinking, right? To to match all the different laws to your ingredient list. And um, to come up with all these different details on the labels, yeah. um, but that's actually kind of repetitive. It is, or 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 there there could be a way to automate it using um, existing databases. Mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah. I think a, a a lot of similar roles where you learn a set of rules and then you apply those rules. Yeah, that type of job, it's 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 repetitive, right? And basically, uh-huh. it's some, it's exactly what AI or okay, not not exactly what AI, but that that's that's basically kind of code writing. You're giving instructions to someone to a robot or to yeah. a computer program, saying if X Y Z, then do A B C, because that's what when it comes to regulatory and labeling compliance, I think. You know, uh-huh. yes, given there might be gray areas that require higher, like more thought and discussion, but. I think a lot of that work is being done at a very. These are the rules. Apply them. Um, yeah. Right. 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 Of. And and I mean that's that's like something I could think of in the, in in the food industry that could matter. Right. So this could be an example of repetitive cognitive, and I don't know if let's say a server at a restaurant. Um, which you could also count that as repetitive cognitive, mm-hmm. right? Because they are, um, let's say, those people, uh, um, like for example, you're you're already have having that uh, happening, with which is when you order from an app, you don't have to interact with a cashier, and you don't have to ask questions about. Well, you can also ask the app about allergy info or potential food pairings. Like right. from the app like there are recommendation systems built in to to like tell you try our curly fries with your burger type right. of thing right so yeah exactly so like 
those are also kind of going away um, as mm-hmm. the world becomes more of these type of segregated spots rather than like like, like yeah. at least right now during COVID time, it's like we're not. I mean, you walk into a restaurant, a lot of people are just here to pick up their DoorDash order or their Uber Eats order. Mm-hmm. There's no need for them to interact in a human way with the cashier to pay or to order anything, right? Correct. So completely, I think, I think that's also both repetitive manual and repetitive cognitive. Sometimes mm. there's a lot of overlap in those areas, but it is, you know. It is something that is being replaced gradually. Totally. I don't think it will totally go away because there are some aspects of human interaction that people still want and like, you know, sitting down in a restaurant, yeah, some people like, you know, chatting with their server. So I think some won't completely go away, but might go away in, you know, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so then... And I think what's interesting is there's one we haven't touched on, the non-repetitive cognitive, right? Because we talked about non-repetitive manual. Right. Like that tattoo artist, which is actually also kind of cognitive as well, cutting hair, um, etc. And then there's also non-repetitive cognitive. Um, And the example that came to my mind when I was just thinking about this is someone like a, let's say... Someone who is a, um, let's say, research scientist trying to find out, okay, well, our product has a defect. Mm -hmm. Consumers are saying it's very bitter, but we don't know why. And we need to find out why. Now, there's no clear-cut solution to some of these problems. So they might have to try A, B, C, D, E. Um, they had to design an experiment, design ways to try to find out what's wrong with this product. Um, so I can see yep. that being something that's non-repetitive because you don't even know how. The, the how is not clear. You know the what. Yeah. But the how is something that you have to figure out in trial and error to get to the answer. I think those type of jobs where there's a certain degree of trial and error, um, those jobs kind of have more staying power unless AI is able to predict even better than you, which I which could happen one day, right? Let's say you have a database of all product failures and why it happens, then you can even draw from previous data to say, well, it's probably A or it's probably yeah. B. Yeah, so then, right. you know, the, the lines are kind of blurry, but I, I would say just as a general concept where a lot of jobs where there's no clear how and you have to kind of design your way through that problem. I think those jobs are something that would be harder to replace. Yeah, I, I mean, basically, application scientists in food companies are, are not in a very big threat right now for in terms of uh, combating uh, automation or like adapted to uh, being adaptive to to automation. Right, because because say say like your company makes starch, uh, and like there 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 are many many different ways of using starch. So being an application scientist and being the technical support of your clients, you're mm-hmm. actually the person who needs to think a lot and doing oh, yeah. this non-repetitive work. Right, For sure. each of these For projects sure. or products is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, there are underlying, um you know, underlying uh, principles, like you said, that they can draw from. 
and that part of the automation would not necessarily replace their job, but but make it easier. Make it easier and probably reduce the number. Well, to some extent, yeah, you don't need ten people trying ten different things at the same time. Like、yeah. an AI model could narrow it down to three, and one person can do that in an afternoon. Yeah. yeah, I I always think that application scientists and ingredient companies probably have the most technical problems to solve because you、mm-hmm. know CPG companies will go to them and be like, "Well, I had this problem or I had that problem, right?"、Yeah. So if I work at a CPG company, my main role might be I'm the starch scientist or I I only make beverages, but at an application. If I'm an application scientist at an ingredient company, I really have to do a lot of mental gymnastics, right? Okay,、yeah. the stabilizer. How does it work in food? How does it work in this beverage? High、mm. acid, low acid. Um. So that's 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 very true, actually. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I guess we're we're just kind of talking off each other on these like four different categories, and I feel like a lot of the line chefs,、mm-hmm. line cooks. Um, excuse me. Line cooks might gradually go away, right, or 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 decreasing in numbers, because a lot of like kitchen appliances at the restaurant scale could be automated,、mm-hmm. right? So so like, um, you can you can have actual pretty smart food processors to get carrots into the shape that you want for the the chef wants, right, and then. Shafts, on the other hand, is what do you call those?、Uh, non-repetitive manual, right? <laughs> the chef still has to cook, but a lot of the、um, it's manual work. But then the repetitive part that are typically nowadays done by line cooks could be replaced.、Mm-hmm. Talking about like peeling, chopping, yeah, or, or... or even like simple. Let's say gravy making, sauce making,、um, these like pretty standardized steps, or like dough making. I can making. see that, but at, at the same time, you know, when it comes to restaurant, like back end of the restaurant culture, there's the whole concept of climbing up the ladder. Yeah, like you need to get, you need to be really good. You first, first, you need to peel potatoes really well, and yeah, then.、Right. Then maybe you can work the fry station, and then、yeah. maybe you can fillet the fish, and then maybe you can be a chef. So I see your、right. point, but I also think there's depending on the culture of that industry, it could also be different. And the capex、uh, required, the capital expenditure required to put in automated systems, might happen at large restaurants where, let's say, is a giant hotel that has weddings for like thousands of people. Yeah.、Right. That makes sense, but when it comes、right. to like a smaller restaurant, it might they might not go there yet. But I totally see your point in terms of, you know, what automation can bring and replace. No, you. I I think that's an excellent point because in automation, we're missing that apprenticeship component, like the cultural apprenticeship component. Mm-hmm. Right, so that is something you do start with repetitive, repetitive manual work, right? In order for you to become a non-repetitive manual, because、person. you're gathering knowledge that's going to help you, even as an application scientist in the lab. Yeah, if all you're doing every day is mixing things and putting a star bar in and observing it, it's very repetitive. But you might be able to glean some insights. 
from the bench that you would not have gleaned from sitting at your desk and outsourcing that work, right? Totally. And then you also need a transition period from repetitive cognitive to non-repetitive cognitive. Like a a very broad category of non-repetitive cognitive would just be like managers, like decision makers. That is basically you have to go through the junior stages right you have to to understand the industry you have to understand what people are doing and why they're doing it Mm -hmm. right yeah so i guess maybe in the end we're kind of touching on this already like what are the future proof um future proofing industry jobs in Mm -hmm. let's say food and restaurants or the broader food industry let's just say Right. And what you brought up about managers, I think that's a great point mm-hmm. um, in terms of when it comes to sort of people management, project management, tying everything together, um, that kind of skill set is something that we still need and it's hard to automate. Yep. Um, what we, what we, when you look at a typical PD work, right, they do so much and so- like Product developer. Yeah, like product developer, what they do is very varied because, you know, from sort of the ideation stage to the prototype creation to shelf life testing to pilot plant scale up to uh, making sales samples for, you know, like just because of the very varied nature of that job, I feel like it is to some extent more future proofed. Um, right, because you, you're you not have doing to have one a lot thing. of project managing skills to, yeah. to, to have that job right uh-huh and I, that that's something i want to bring up it's then creativity and the the ability to transfer your learnings are quite important um, mm-hmm. in, in terms of a future job and i think the ability to use and to understand automation would also keep your job it, it let's say if you can understand why are things being automated or how are they how how does a robot basically work or what are the programming and the logic behind it for an Mm -hmm. algorithm to work uh, that would actually help keep your job right because you know how to work alongside with it exactly so you can have synergies um, with a automated tool so that uh, it can maximize your efficiency and at the same time uh, help to reduce costs or reduce resources uh, for a business, right? Mm-hmm. And that does mean that some of these uh, repetitive manual jobs are going away. But in the future, we have to train people to at least understand how machine works and how automation happens so that they can use these knowledge to, to create Right to, mm-hmm. to 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 transfer these learnings from automation to their daily jobs so that they can solve problems. Right, right. I think mm-hmm. about it in the sense of think about yourself as being a chef, and then think about automation as someone who's just something that's you know chopping your vegetables for you, or you know mm-hmm. preheating the oven for you to make your job easy, easier. But then you're still the conductor. Exactly. Right. You're still the person who brings everything together. You know, like how long to cook it for without overcooking it, Mm -hmm. um, how to brown the onions without burning it. 
right? That intricate knowledge and creativity and in sense the in intuition that you bring, mm -hmm. and I think that's something that just thinking about the role that we can play and how to not let automation take things away from us but add on to what we do. I think that's mm -hmm. what we need to what we need to learn moving forward. All right. Cool. Cool. Excellente. So, that's a lot about automation and does yeah, it feel safer oh, or less inspired. safer? Uh what? Does it make you feel safer or less safer about your I think, job? I think it makes me feel good in a sense of you know it gives me a little bit more clarity in terms of what's something i do that ai cannot do well then mm -hmm. what's something i do that ai can do then i know where to focus my efforts in developing my skills right yeah i think knowledge is power knowing this i mean you can think of both ways you can you can and i and i want to think about it in terms of like well what can i do with this knowledge yep totally um, so yep same here all righty okay so um well update on my dutch uh food journey is that oh yeah uh, i found oatly it, it, it is around me i just didn't find it <laughs> great is the oatly different in europe versus in the u.s uh not necessarily i mean oatly definitely has that unique texture i feel yeah like it's there's some type of gum, either natural occurring or or, or added stuff in mm -hmm. there that that really gives that creamy mouthfeel. Right. It, yeah. Uh. It's very nice. Um, also, what's interesting is um, apparently there was a ruling that stated recently that oat milk can be called oat milk in the U.S., right. but it has to be called oat drink or oat beverage in yeah. Europe because of uh, the sta yeah. I guess the standard identity of milk. I think it's different. the European. Are you talking about the U.S. or the EU? Europe in in EU, you have yeah, to call it EU, oat drink. Uh, just passed that. I think meat is okay. They're okay mm -hmm. with people saying like meat analogs. Yeah, but not like plant milk or pea milk or no, almond milk. No, you have to be almond beverage. <laughs> yeah, neither would like non-dairy cheese to be called cheese. It needs right. to be something like a spread or. Huh. I don't know. It, it, Interesting. It becomes kind of gray, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure that everybody's burning their butt to adjust. Oh the, yeah. Their marketing strategies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> totally. Okay. Cool. So there you have it. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can uh, find us on various podcast platforms. Uh, give us a five star if uh, you enjoy the show, and you can contact us at. F I H podcast at gmail.com. All right. Till next time. Bye bye.